Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of shaken baby syndrome found under the pediatric section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 23-year-old mother brings in a three-month-old baby boy to the emergency room. She reports that he seemed to be having difficulty breathing and was lethargic and just not himself. She denied any inciting trauma. On physical exam, he was lethargic with an unequivocal neurological exam. However, there is localized swelling on the right occiput. An ophthalmologic exam demonstrates retinal hemorrhages. A head CT demonstrates a crescent-shaped hemorrhage. The child abuse team is consulted. Let's continue with an introduction to shaken baby syndrome. Remember that this refers to a form of child abuse resulting in cranial injury. It may be due to blunt force trauma or shaking, and both of these are referred to as shaken baby syndrome. In terms of the epidemiology, remember that 40% of deaths from child abuse occur in those younger than 12 months, and abusive head injury is the most common cause of death. Conditions that are associated include subdural hematomas. This may be due to a rupture of the bridging veins, and a hematoma develops over time. Remember that venous bleeding is slow. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms may include seizures, difficulty breathing, apnea, lethargy, and an absence of traumatic event in combination with these symptoms has a high specificity for abusive head injury. On exam, one may note localized swelling on the head, retinal hemorrhages in 60-85% to of cases, bruising, and some patients may have no findings at all. In terms of the evaluation, one should perform a CBC to test for underlying bleeding disorders. Non-contrast CT imaging may demonstrate a crescent-shaped hemorrhage that crosses suture lines. It cannot cross the tentorium, and there may be a midline shift due to the mass effect. A skeletal survey should be performed for additional signs of abuse, and there should be consultation with the child abuse team, which would include a social worker, a nurse, and physician specializing in child protection. In terms of the differential, Make sure to think about a bleeding disorder, accidental trauma, and apparent life-threatening event. In terms of treatment, options include supportive care and informing Child Protective Services if there is suspicion of abuse. In terms of the prognosis, remember that the mortality rate is between 13 and 23%. With regards to prevention, this is best done with parental education. In complications related to shaken baby syndrome, include neuromotor abnormalities, speech and language impairment, and a seizure disorder. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to shaken baby syndrome, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A three-month-old boy is brought to the emergency department by his mom for breathing difficulty after a recent fall. His parents say that he rolled off of the mattress and landed on the hardwood floor earlier today. After an extensive physical exam, he is found to have many purplish bruises and retinal hemorrhages. A non-contrast head CT scan demonstrates a subdural hemorrhage. He was treated in the hospital with full recovery from his symptoms. Which of the following is the most important follow-up plan? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Inform Child Protective Services Choice 2. Provide parents with anticipatory guidance. Choice 3. Provide home nursing visits. Choice 4. Reassurance that accidents are common. Or Choice 5. 
Referral to Genetics for Further Testing. The best answer to this question is, choice one, informed child protective services. In this scenario, the child most likely has suffered from shaken baby syndrome due to the presence of bruises, retinal hemorrhages, and a subdural hemorrhage. The duty of the physician is to inform child protective services. The fact that the infants usually cannot roll at three months of age increases the probability of child abuse in that the child did not likely roll off the couch. More than 40% of deaths from child abuse occur in infants younger than 12 months of age. Head injury is the most common cause of death. Commonly seen injuries include retinal hemorrhages, cutaneous bruising, rib fractures, and long bone fractures. Management depends on the medical issue and requires evaluation for occult injuries. Consultation with other specialists and social workers is recommended. The safety of the child is first and foremost and must be reported to Child Protective Services. The publication by Castiglia et al. provides a review of shaken baby syndrome and the cause of extreme rotational cranial acceleration from violent shaking or impact. While it is mostly seen in children under two years of age, it can be seen in children up to five years old. It is important to devote more resources to the detection and prevention of shaken baby syndrome and other forms of child abuse. In a meta-analysis, Pitot et al. found that clinical findings strongly associated with abusive head trauma include inadequate history, apnea or seizures on presentation, fractures of the ribs, metaphyseal region or long bones, retinal hemorrhages, subdural hemorrhages, skull fracture with associated intracranial injury, and cerebral ischemia on neuroimaging. With various findings, there is an attempt to identify consistent criteria in reporting the findings of abusive head trauma as well as non-abusive head trauma. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice two, anticipatory guidance is usually provided at the well-child visit, but this child has a more pressing concern of abuse. Choice three, while home nursing visits can help the parents, there is no sign that these visits will address suspicions of abuse. Choice four, reassurance is not indicated, particularly since there are many present warning signs of child abuse. Choice five, Referral to genetics is not needed at this time. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 10-month-old infant is brought to the emergency department by his parents after a seizure. The parents report no history of trauma, fever, or a family history of seizures. However, they both say that the patient fell while he was running. Neurologic exam was normal. A head CT scan is performed, which demonstrates a subdural hematoma. Which of the following is most likely found in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Slipped capital femoral epiphysis Choice 2. Retinal hemorrhages Choice 3. Microcephaly Choice 4. Rupture of middle meningeal artery Or Choice 5. Intact bridging veins The best answer to this question is Choice 2. Retinal hemorrhages the patient's seizure, subdural hemorrhage on CT, and an injury that the history does not support or is not developmentally possible, such as running at 10 months of age, highly suggests non-accidental head trauma. Retinal hemorrhages appear in 50 to 80% of abusive head injury. Infants have weak cervical paraspinal muscles with a large head relative to body size. The acceleration and deceleration of shaking the baby, their small brain size, and weak cervical paraspinal muscles 
are some anatomical factors that contribute to tearing of the bridging vessels in the brain. This vessel tearing leads to a subdural hematoma. The subsequent venous congestion eventually lead to retinal hemorrhage production, which is visible via fundoscopy. Some presenting features of non-accidental head trauma in infants include apnea and seizures. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Slipped capital femoral epiphysis is common in obese adolescents. This is due to posterior slippage of the capital femoral epiphysis secondary to mechanical overload. Choice 3. Microcephaly can be associated with many genetic abnormalities, such as trisomy 21, or be the result of insult, such as a CMV infection acquired in the uterus. Choice 4. Tearing of the middle meningeal artery would present with an epidural hematoma. The terion is a thin portion of the bone in the skull where the anterior branch of the middle meningeal artery runs under. Injury to this region may lead to middle meningeal artery rupture, subsequently resulting in epidural hematoma formation. This is not consistent with the radiology or acceleration deceleration head trauma. Choice 5. In acceleration deceleration head injury, the bridging veins would most likely rupture, leading to a subdural hematoma. That's all for this review about shaken baby syndrome. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.